And um, I, let me see if I did it. Uh, it's there on your sheet. But does anybody want to try want to stand up and try to say that from memory out loud? Just, you know, it, it, it's all right if you make a mistake. Mark. Okay. Yeah, well, that's all right. I think, I think on, your, on the sheet I have, that's what I have. But go ahead. No, no, we won't. We won't. Hiss at your nothing. We'll, we'll give you applause. Is that worth applause, huh? <laughs> All right. Um, as you did your lesson, did anybody have any questions, anything you ran into that you said, hey, what's this? You know? Did anybody learn anything new, or did you have a, a word of testimony you would like to share about that lesson? Because if you don't, then I'm just going to start going. Yes. It just reminded me of when you always said you can't lose. When you share the gospel with people, it's just so clear that if somebody is going to be saved, it's not because we talk them into it. Because the Holy Spirit's been working and God has Good. ordained Good. that we will be saved. Good. Which guarantees the effectiveness of our witnessing. Uh, we are to witness. God has ordained that we, he used means to accomplish it. And we're it. And we need to go talk to people. We need to tell them about Jesus. But we're not responsible for the results. And we couldn't produce them if we wanted to. You know, just uh, so any, yes, Ken. Yeah, that's good. That was in my Sunday school class. Uh, I, I won't explain that all again because it was quite a picture in Genesis 15, but basically it comes down to this. God always keeps his promises and he always does what he said he's going to do and, and he does it, not you. You know? Well, what we're looking at here is the subject of salvation. And sometimes it's good even for me to take another look at it from a different perspective. And that's what this book does, by the way. It's a little different than my approach. In fact, if I were, it's got three main points. And if I were doing it, my main points would be what God does, what you do, and what happens to you. That would be the three main points. What God does, what you do, and what happens to you. Uh, God has a sovereign plan of salvation. And in Romans 8, 29 through 30, if you... You need to look that up. We have the progression of how God brings someone to salvation. 
There are people who do not like this verse or try to explain it away somehow, but you cannot do that. It says in Romans 8:29, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he, also, whom he justified, them he also glorified. Did you notice something about every one of those words? They're all E-D. What is E-D? Past tense. In the mind of God, from, from before you were born, it was a done deal. You know, it, I mean, he did it. And uh, sometimes people, they get excited and they say, well, it's just that he foreknew it. Listen, I mean, that's not all there is here, but just suppose that's it. He, he figured, I mean, he looked way down to the year 2000 and whatever, when, or, you know, and you got saved. And he said, now I know that's going to happen. Then it is foreordained. Because if God sees it and foreknows it, it has to happen. Can't change anyway, you see. But really, it isn't that way. It is God not just foreknowing, but it's also God predestined and God choosing. Uh, and so if you filled in the blanks, verse 29, whom he did foreknow, he also predestinated. Then whom he did predestinate, he also called. Whom he did call, he also justified. Whom he did justify, he also glorified. Listen, God had a plan. Aren't you glad that somebody knows what they're doing? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm glad that uh, Clinton isn't in charge. Or some other fallible human who could be as almost as perfect as a human could be, but we would still have a problem. But God knows what he's doing. In fact, it says God's sovereign plan of salvation. God is the one who starts it. When it comes to salvation, it, he started it from, it says in the next verse, from before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1, verse 4 through 6. He's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, somebody says, well, you know, then why should we even tell anybody God knows what he's going to do? Uh, that's ridiculous. Because the same God who says he knows what he's doing says also, here's what I want you to do. And we are responsible to obey him and do what he says. But uh, I, I think that uh, God will use us as much as we will allow ourselves to be used. You know what that means? If you learn how to talk to someone about getting saved, the more you talk to, the more we'll get saved. Why? Because God will use you as much as you'll let him. You know? So what is the purpose of his plan? That we should be holy and without blame before him. That's God's goal. How does he do that? How does he make us holy and without blame before him? You know how. Through Jesus Christ. That's the only way we're going to get it. 
And then he says, and, and then it says, what's the purpose? Unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. He wants to make us part of the family. And then the last thing he says is to make us accepted in the beloved. This was all God's plan. So, not only does God plan it, but God works it. God's got a plan from before the foundation of the world. God's got a plan. As we looked in Romans, all of these things, God looked ahead and they were all past tense, done. And he said, okay, here's how it's going to work out. And he says, what's going to happen? And if you looked it up, what does the Holy Spirit do concerning sin? The Bible says he will reprove uh, a, a good word there, and that's the King James, is convict. The Holy Spirit comes along and starts conviction. And then the Holy Spirit convicts you not only of what you do wrong, but of righteousness or what you are not doing right. You're, you fall far short of being righteous. And then... He says, and you are accountable or of coming judgment. So the, here's what God does. By his Holy Spirit, he comes in and he convicts you. He says, you're a sinner. You're not righteous. And you're going to be held accountable. And then when he does that, it causes men to turn. How come you need to be convicted by the Holy Spirit? How come the Holy Spirit has to come in and do it? Mark. Yeah, nobody's doing it on their own. Listen, there are those. I'm, I'm going to tell you where, where the line is. We, we, we call them, I'm going to use one word that you, well, never mind. Yes, I am. These are words you might be familiar with, you might not. Armenian and Calvinist. Now, you can be hyper anything and you're wrong. And hyper simply means the emphasis of one doctrine to the neglect of others. Now, the Armenian believes that you exercise faith, and after you do that, God makes you alive. So you have to start the process. The Calvinist and the biblical position, and what Paul's talking about here, is... God comes in and quickens you. He makes you alive. He gives you faith. And he works conviction. And he works repentance. And the whole process starts with God. And the reason it has to start with God is the Bible says that without Christ we are dead in sin. And so the question, why is it necessary? Because there is absolutely no way we would turn to God on our own unless he busted into our lives and convicted us and showed us our need of him. Now, what is needed before someone can know the truth? Basically, before they can know the truth, they have to be quickened. They have to be made alive. They have to have spiritual understanding. Repentance and faith in the Word of God. They have to believe the Word of God. Listen, I, God has allowed me to see some people get saved. I mean, it's just, what a privilege. But I, I, I tell you, every time they do, it's a setup. God sets it up. 
In fact, it's such a neat thing. I, I mentioned last Sunday about that lady getting saved in a hospital, and, and, uh, and, and I'm talking to her, and I thought, why don't she stop me? I mean, I'm talking to her. Why don't she say, I don't want to talk about religion. And she wouldn't stop me. And I'm thinking, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. You know, and would you like to call on the Lord? Yes. You know what I want to do? I almost want to go back and start off and say, you didn't understand me. Because <laughs> God sets it up. Okay? You see, repentance, which means an about face, and faith, are what we call in our doctrinal statement inseparable graces. Now, what does grace mean? It's a gift from God. So it's grace. Faith is grace or a gift from God. And repentance is a gift from God. And then we say they are inseparable, and that means if you have uh, true repentance, then you will have faith. You can't separate faith and repentance. Okay? Um, and so, like, repentance is you're going down the road away from God, and uh, the Spirit comes in and convicts you, and the Spirit shows you that you need a Savior, and you turn to Jesus Christ. You can't separate those two. And if someone says they're a Christian, they're a believer, and they have faith, and there's no repentance, then God's not in it. And they're not God's child. And if someone comes along and says they have repentance, they've changed their life, but they don't have faith in Christ, well, that's not it either. You know, all they did was change sins. You know, they become self-righteous. Okay, so who gives us repentance and faith? God does. Okay, who gives us the right to become the children of God? John 1, 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Okay, now watch. You're not saved because of what you were born into, not blood. I mean, if your father's a Christian, that doesn't make you a Christian. And if you happen to be white, uh, you know, that doesn't make you a Christian, or black, or yellow, or blue, or, or whatever color you might be. That doesn't make you a Christian. And you're not saved by your own efforts. That doesn't do it. You can work until you're blue in the face. I, I, I like uh, Steve Spencer's expression. He was talking to his brother. By the way, him and, him and Dave were at a retreat for men this weekend. But he was talking to his brother about getting saved. And his brother said, well, I've, I've been pretty good. Steve says, you can be good as long as you want, but that's not the ticket to heaven. <laughs> okay? That's not the ticket to heaven. It is not by what you do. It isn't even something that you choose, not by the will of man. And the verse says God comes in and he quickens you, makes you alive, chooses you, makes you part of his family. Who causes you to grow as a believer? God. 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I have planted a palace water, but God gave the increase. Who's going to bring about the resurrection? God. So, God's, and when it comes to your salvation, God starts it. 
It's his plan. He starts it. He works it. And then see, God culminates or he finishes it. Who are you going to be like one of these days? Like Jesus Christ. Are you more, let me ask you this, are you more like Christ today than you were when you got saved? Yeah, you are. You should be. Got a long ways to go, baby. But, but I know that we, because God is working on us, are becoming more and more like Christ. You see, and when you become more and more like Christ, it'll impact others. Um, what is going to happen to every believer, Philippians 3.20, when we eventually will get what? A new body, like the resurrected body of the Lord Jesus Christ. God says, hey, I will carry this thing to end. We, we, we don't have Philippians 1.6 in here, but Philippians 1.6 says, He who hath begun a good work in you, it starts with God, will perform it, it continues with God, until the day of Jesus Christ. It ends with God. What does Christ want for you? In John 17, 24, that you might be with him where he is. So if you don't get anything else out of this, get this. Salvation is of the Lord. It was his idea. It was his plan. He starts it. He quickens you. He keeps you going. Uh, perseverance is him at work in your life. And he finishes it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what you're going to run, run into on a job somewhere talking to somebody. Do you believe in once saved, always saved? That is not the question. When somebody asks you that, they don't even have the question right. The question is, who is saving you? And if it is a work of God, God will finish it. But if it's dependent upon you, you blew it already. And see, so it's not, am I, do you believe in once saved, always saved? I, when people say that to me, I say, wait a minute. I believe God saves you. I believe that he starts it, he quickens you, he makes it alive. He, he works through the process. He begins the work. He goes on through it. He finishes it. It isn't a question of once saved, always saved as far as I'm concerned. It's just this, God is my Savior in Jesus Christ. He, the whole thing is done, okay? So, and then the next thing you have in your outline is conversion. That has to do with what you do, what you do. And here's what takes place. First of all, what has God given man to reveal his sinfulness? It's conviction. And then under that, the law of God. You ever been pulled over by a police officer? I didn't think so. Not Doug. No, no way. He, he couldn't catch you. No. You get pulled over. And uh, sometimes, honestly, honestly, you didn't know the speed limit. In fact, I got pulled over in town here one day years ago. 
was coming up, up Linden Road, and here comes this flashing light behind me, and you all know Pete. Uh, Pete is the police chief now. He was an officer then, and he comes up. He says, hey, Rev, how you doing? <laughs> I said, good. He said, did you know how fast you were going? And I said, honestly, no. I said, I was thinking about something else, didn't have my mind at all on what I was doing. And I was thinking about something else. Well, he said, you were doing 45. The speed limit's 25. Then he said these wonderful words. <laughs> you better slow down, Rev. <laughs> you know what? The fact that I wasn't aware of it, does it change the law? The fact that I didn't see it, does it change the law? See, the law is given so that we might know that we're sinners. When you pick this book up, it's given to us so that we might know that we're sinners. Okay? There's a lot of people who are hung up on trying to keep the Old Testament law, you know, they're trying to keep not only the, the ceremonial, but the, the sacred law. They're, they're, they're trying to live by the Ten Commandments, and they think if they do it that way, they'll get to heaven. And every day they try, they fail. Every day. Why? Because God wrote this so you would know what his demands are, what his standards are, what his values are, and any time you miss it, you lost. It's only given for the conviction of sin, you see. So, God convicts you through the word of God. What God's trying to do as he convicts you is tell you that you need something else, right? You need a savior. And in Acts 2.36, it says, it talked about what happened to the, the, those who realized the mistake they made when they crucified Christ. The Bible says they were pricked in their hearts. The word means convicted, you know. Now, so you have conviction of sin. This is what's going on in your life. Then repentance from sin. Okay. Repentance from sin. Why did the tax gatherer cry out to God in the temple in Luke 8, 13? You know what he said? Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. He knew he needed mercy. You see, he knew he was a sinner. And he didn't brag about how good he was. He just said, Lord, help. He wanted mercy. In 2 Corinthians 7, verses 9 through 10, what does godly sorrow over sin produce? Repentance. When you're really sorry for your sin, that produces repentance. Now, every time someone gets sorry when they sin, is that repentance? <laughs> Good. Uh, I love it. I've been sorry for stuff. Sorry I got caught. But that wasn't repentance. I've been sorry for stuff and, you know, said, oh boy, next time I'm going to do it different. I'm going to figure out how to get around this thing. Real godly sorrow says 
Lord, I hate the sin. Lord, don't let me walk that way again. You know? It leads to, godly sorrow leads to salvation. And then turning to Christ. First of all, conviction, then repentance, and then really that should be faith in there. What's promised to those that call on the Lord? You'll be saved. Now here's the part that, that I get in the way when I'm talking to someone about the Lord. I, I, I don't get in the way, but I'm trying to figure out how this all works instead of just letting God do it. If I share the gospel with someone, share their need of a Savior, ask them if they would like to call on the name of the Lord, share these verses with them, and then I say, have you ever done that in, you know, before they say no? I say, would you like to? And they say yes. And then my flesh gets in the way a little bit. And I think, wait a minute, how do I see God in this? How do I know this is God at work? You know, I'll share an illustration with you. Um, I had a fellow sit in my office one day, and I shared the gospel with him. And uh, he said, well, how do I know if I mean it in my heart? That's the question. How do I know that I'm really sincere? So I held up something, and I'll do this. You see this, folks? This is my latest uh, cordless screwdriver. Isn't that nice? I mean, I mean, really, just a, it's a cordless screwdriver. Now, folks, if you agree with me, you're not being honest in your heart. If you say to me, Pastor, <laughs> I got news for you. That's not a cordless screwdriver. Whoever told you that was wrong. You know, if, if, if you were honest with me in your heart, you'd tell me, no, that's not. If I tell you that you can be saved through faith in the finished work of Christ by calling upon him, as it says in Romans 10, 13, and you agree with me, but in your heart you don't believe it. You're not being honest. You should be honest with me and say, I don't buy that. That's, a, that, that's simple. If, but if you in your heart believe God and believe him when he says, yes, if you call on me, I will save you. If you believe God, then that's it. You can't get any better than that. Okay? You see... It is God who gives you the desire to call on him. Here's something that encourages me when I talk to people about the Lord. I say, after they get saved sometimes when they do, I say, you know, I'm going to tell you how you know God's in this. How many people do you know? How many of them I've called on the Lord to get saved. I know a lot of people who haven't. Why isn't everybody knocking down the doors of the church or the doors of the preacher or the doors of believers saying, how can I get what you've got? 
So if a person bows their head and calls on the Lord before another person, I think they're pretty serious because most people won't do that. And that's one of the ways you know that God's in it. Now, becoming the, the, the last thing is becoming slaves to righteousness or obedience. Okay? There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death. And then verse 18 of Romans 6, being made free from sin, ye become the servants of righteousness. One of the questions in your lesson is, for the believer in Christ, what is the penalty for sin? Hmm? No condemnation. It's settled. What does that faith, that salvation set you free from? The law of sin and death. And then you become the servant of righteousness. Now, salvation is of the Lord from beginning to end. He who hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You have been foreordained unto good works. God has saved you for, to do good works. He's ordained that that's what will take place in your life. Now, when you become a child of God, it will show. It will be evident. That's what we get to next. When you become a child of God, it's going to make some changes in your life. I remember that lady there in the hospital last week. It was so neat. Because, folks, uh, uh, think of someone with a face that is aging and sad and has been a smoker all her life so that when she breathes, you don't like to hear the sound. And she just looks like one miserable lady. And when she calls on the Lord and she looks up, her face has been fixed. Now, it may not be as beautiful as some people, but I'll tell you what it is. There was a new smile, a new radiance, a new hope, a new expectation. You see, when God comes in and does the job, he does the whole job. That's why God has to be the one who does it from beginning to end, because if it depended on you and me, we'd get some folks half saved. So God does it. What is the evidence of salvation? What's going to happen in your life? And I'll just briefly share these three things. First of all, you'll have a faith that works. You'll have a faith that works. Okay? That means that there will be a production out of your life, like we just talked about. Things will be different. Doesn't mean you'll always do the right thing. Doesn't mean that you'll always have this great hunger for, for you know, to just go out and, and, and work. But it means that you want to please the Lord and everything. And a faith that doesn't work is not faith. You know, John MacArthur wrote a book 
called The Gospel According to Jesus. And what he was trying to do in that book is show that when Jesus saved someone, when he gave them the gospel and they got saved, that you could see the evidence in their life. You could see the response. Well, there are a lot of people who do not believe what I'm teaching you tonight. And there are a lot of people who gave him a lot of flack for that. So one time, John MacArthur came to a church over here on Eight Mile Road off of 275, and they invited a lot of preachers to come over there. And he wasn't going to speak. We just get to ask him questions. And so, you know, they start asking him this question and that question. And you know me. I, I finally got up there and said I wanted to ask him a question. And they, all the questions were about this book. I said to him, I said, now, don't you believe that if a person is saved, it is Christ doing the work from beginning to end? He said, yes. And I said, don't you believe that included in the salvation is the good works? He said, yes. I said, then what'd you write the book for? He said, you mean I just wasted five years of my life writing a book? Now I'll tell you what, the book's good. It's, it's worth reading. But the point I'm making is, if you are really a child of God, it shows in your life. Now some of you might say, well, I know someone who, who they say they're a Christian, and yet they're not living for the Lord. I know one of two things is true about that person. So do you. They're either not a Christian at all, never were, never have been, or else they're one of God's children that's headed for a stick. I mean, a, a, a licking, my mother used to call it. In, in, in Hebrews 12, it's called chastisement. They're, they're headed for God's corrective work in their life. And I'll tell you what, if I could walk out of here and go start living a life of sin and get away with it, that would scare me a bunch. It would scare me for two reasons. One, I would wonder, am I really a Christian? Am I on my way to hell? And two, it would scare me because I wonder what God's going to do when he finally catches up with me. You know? So it is a, a faith that works. It is a love that labors. And in that particular section, the whole idea is that when the Lord goes to work in your heart as a child of God, you have love for other believers. You even have love for the lost. Now, I've seen some people in church that I'm not sure that they were Christians because of the way they hated and they carried a constant vengeance in their heart. They carried a constant bitterness that they wouldn't let go of. Now, God, if God's going to get his child for something like that, he really doesn't have to come down and slap you. You're just doing it to yourself. Because you can confess and you can get rid of that. But when you're a child of God, there is a love that God puts in your heart that you cannot keep in there. And the Bible plainly says that we show our love by what we do.
And then see, there is a hope that endures. You know what that means? That means you never quit. That means that you endure to the end. That means that you live on that promise. And that hope is not some kind of a big question mark. It's a fact. It's a fact. Uh, sometimes I've worked on a job all day with hope. You know what my hope was? It's going to be quitting time after a while. I get to go home. And that was a pretty sure thing, you know. At 5 o'clock or 3.30 or whatever, I get to go home. And, and, and that's, that was the thing that kept me going because it was, you know, part of the deal. I get to go home. We have hope, a hope of righteousness that we have from Christ, a hope of salvation, a hope of eternal life. And then as Don brought out earlier, and thank you, Don, the three that abide. If you're a believer, these three things will be in your life. Faith, hope, and love. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, the greatest of these is love. Now, I have seen Christians who thought the greatest of these was faith. Because they talked about the faith they had, but when you talked about loving someone, they didn't have that. You know? Okay? Now, so, um, the right response, if you're a believer, as it says in heap in Romans 12, 1 and 2, present your body a living sacrifice to God. Be transformed in your mind by the renewing, uh, by the renewing of your mind and by the word of God. And what's the wrong response? Continue in sin. So there it is, folks. Salvation. It's salvation, whereby. God says, it's my plan. I start it. I run it. I finish it. Your responsibility? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. That's our part. Okay? So... Let's stand together and pray and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you for this uh, wonderful salvation. Like it says in Hebrews, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Thank you for what we have in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>